Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Horror vs. Reality. I'm Anastasia, and my co-pilot Morgan is here with us as always. And we also have a special guest, Keith McNally. Later on, he'll tell you who the hell he is. But for now, we're just going to get into it. Um, today's episode is Wolf Creek versus Ivan Milat, the notorious backpacker killer from Australia. Um, Wolf Creek uh, came out in 2005. Um, it is directed, produced, and written all by Greg McLean, who was a little-known filmmaker at the time, and used this really as a platform to jump off. It stars John Jarrett, Nathan Phillips, Cassandra Magrath. Sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name. Magrath. Magrath. Uh, Kesti Marassi. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, at just at 99 minutes. It's an Australian film. Um, it had a pretty small budget of like 1.4 million, and that's in Australian dollars. But it made 35 million back in Australian dollars, so it was fairly successful. Especially considering Ivan Milat is one of the most notorious serial killers, um, from Australia, and uh. I say this not lightly because Australia's got some mad cases. Like, we think that we have bad serial killers, but I really feel like Australia's just worse. <laughs> and uh, friends from Australia, write in and tell us what you think about that. Do yeah, you one time, have serial killers? Well, yes. just, uh, just one time, because I had nothing to do one night, I looked up on Wikipedia the list of top serial killers by country. And yeah, yeah, like America's got all the famous ones, but crazy shit happens in other countries. Like I think it's kind of like like you guys were talking last week about uh, what's the Russian guy's name? Oh, um, Andre Chikatilo. 
Yeah, right. That like stuff it's like it. that bad wouldn't happen in America just because, you know, things are like competent <laughs> you know? and they could yeah, actually somewhat. stop people <laughs> where like some of them like, oh, man, this is one guy in like South America that just like killed so many people. And just, yeah, this weird stuff in other countries. No offense, Australia, but people can get away with a lot of weird shit in other countries. Oh, I think you're thinking about the um, I don't remember his name, but there's a dude and that was from somewhere in South America that killed like 40 like young boys or something like that. Yeah, that is the guy I'm thinking of because it's yeah. almost disappointing. Weird way to put it, I guess. But like these really famous serial killers, you're like, oh, what, he only killed seven people. Like, does that even <laughs> is that a serial killer? Come on, put your back into it. Yeah, right. I mean, so by definition, it's just if you kill three or more. But I agree. Like, it always feels oddly more impressive. Look, we are not by any means glorifying the serial killers. But (laughs) you got to agree. It's like to kill one person is a really hard task because you have to be that demented. But also, like, you got to dispose of the body and shit like if you kill like 40 people, like I don't care if they're kids or not, it's like they put work into it. Yeah, it becomes a whole to do real fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, terrible people, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess you gotta quit your day job to like kill that many people. Uh, yeah, really. Because I mean, like, BTK was like, uh, you know, a deacon in the church and like installed. Boy Scout. Um... Yeah. Leader. He installed um, like AET or A. Never trust your security guy. Seriously. Yeah, AET, whatever it is, the security thing. ADT. Yeah, that's how he got in. He was an ADT installer. Yeah. That guy, yeah. though, man, it was so lame. I guess we're immediately getting way off track, but hey, why not, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I read... This happens every episode, as you know. Yeah. I read up about BTK once and it was so super lame that the way he got caught was just that they traced some stuff on a floppy disk that he (laughs) thought he had erased properly. But he actually because he would send these like anonymous messages to the police. And one of the messages was, hey, if I send you guys like my creepy information on a disc you can't trace that right and the police were like no it's no. fine and that's how he got caught and i'm like what a what a fucking moron yeah <laughs> i mean he probably didn't know how to use google um <laughs> so he relied on the police and that was a bad choice yeah he had a long run but in the end he could have just asked one of his kids to show him how to use google and he probably would not be caught you know, something... it was it was hubris. He yeah, uh, but... flew flew too close close to the sun with those wax wings. That's one thing I love about this idea for a podcast of doing the horror versus reality is is that sort of dichotomy of like in a movie these characters are so interesting and serial killers are so interesting, but in real life you're like, what a dumbass. <laughs> <You know>? Often, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So. We're going to careen back to Wolf Creek um, because we are famous for our tangents. Yeah, we usually save them to where I was just talking to Morgan about how usually, you know, it's at the end that things really go off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even try to to stay on track by the end. Maybe I'm sending you off early, but I thought I'd say just uh, I guess this could be kind of like a little mini introduction to the reason I chose this movie. So you asked me if I wanted to be on the podcast 
So I just went to good old Wikipedia again, list of movies based on real crimes. And the reason Wolf Creek stood out to me, I always meant to watch it, but it's because I'm from Canada. And there's this weird thing when you're from not America, where you have a whole like music industry and film industry and TV industry that everybody around you knows about, but nobody outside of your country knows about. And I was thinking like, I bet Australia feels exactly like that. So when they have a movie like Wolf Creek that becomes famous and actually breaks out and people know what it is, I'm like, you did it. Yeah, you, you did it, little country. <laughs> you made a, a movie that someone cared about because that like never happens in Canada. No one knows any of our movies. So I was like proud of Wolf Creek, the film. So that's why I wanted to do <laughs> Wolf Creek. Can I impress you with my horror prowess? Because I know a lot of Canadian horror films. Oh, yeah. You know what? My favorite movie of all time is a Canadian horror movie. Let's see if we can get there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Guess um, it, Anna. Guess it. All right. So Black Christmas is oh, a very yeah. famous Canadian Classic. horror film. Um, Pontypool is an excellent Canadian horror film. Yeah, I got to admit, actually, I watched half of that one. I never, I never finished it. So I'm a bad Canadian. You should finish it. It's excellent. Honestly. Um, basically, anything by David Cronenberg is a Canadian horror film. And my so, favorite David Cronenberg one is Videodrome. So let's see if you've seen my favorite. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it might be my favorite movie. It's a Canadian werewolf movie. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe. I've seen a lot of werewolf movies. Yeah, you probably know right away because everyone talks very Canadian in it. It's called Ginger Snaps. Okay, of course I've seen Ginger Snaps. Yeah, oh man. I love that movie so much. Stupid much. <laughs> and that's it's a good a example. Film. And that's a good example, too, of like I saw it in the theater here and I'm just like I just wandered in and I'm like, whoa, how cool. I love that movie. And it didn't get released in theaters anywhere else, straight to DVD in every other country. So, yeah, I watched it for the first time back in 2012, 2013 for the Reddit Horror Club, which is uh, the old podcast. But when I watched it for that, I was not the host. I didn't become the host until... The club was almost completely just dying and coming to an end. <laughs> Holy shit. I resemble the girl with the brown jacket. And I Googled it because I have no idea what you're talking about. So yeah, it's so cool. It's like, I mean, it wouldn't fit for this podcast because it's not based on a real thing. You know, it's a werewolf movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, but, not going to work. But I love it on like just that like metaphor level of it's just these two sisters and one of them is turning into a werewolf. And instead of turning and turning back in this movie, it takes a month and then you're a werewolf forever. It's just a slow change. So it's like that thing of you're drifting away from your sibling and, you know, they're turning into a monster, except it's real. And uh, it's so good. And it's also like a metaphor for puberty as well. Yeah, like at first the girl just thinks that she's, you know, she got her period and stuff, just thinks it's normal, and then it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. The The movie Jennifer's Body is kind of like a bad other version of the same movie. Hold on, how how can you mistake a period for <laughs> being a werewolf? You know, like, well, it's because like she's talking to her guidance counselor, and it's stuff like, uh, so the guidance counselor's like, is there hair where there wasn't hair before? She's like, uh, yeah, there is. But, you know, she was talking about werewolf hair, you know, stuff like that. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it, it's like 40% silly and then 60% like heartbreakingly awesome. So, yeah, it's really good. I've got to put this on my list. Yeah, Morgan, add it on there. Yeah. You should have like 
a mile long list by now of just I, movies that I've recommended. I actually do. I have a um, it's like a little um, bookmark on my uh, Google Chrome thing. So it's like on the books bookmark thing and it's like movies to watch and it's all the ones that you've been telling me it's pretty long excellent i mean it should be because i feel like every day i add to that list. yeah i think it's like i think it's nine now so yeah i'll add it to it thank you you're welcome it should right, be way longer time. though but i digress okay so let's get to the meat of Wolf Creek, the film that we all uh, just recently finished, I assume. Keith took most of a month to watch it, right? Yeah, let, let me tell you another <laughs> quick little digression story. I uh, I just watch things crazy slow because, uh, you know, classic Canadian fashion, what I do every day is I get up and I walk through the woods to get to the Tim Hortons that's on the other side of the woods. <laughs> and while I'm in the woods, I just sit on a stump or something and I watch a few minutes of whatever movie I'm watching. So yeah, it took me like the whole month to watch this movie. And it was kind of a cool way to watch it because every day I would just watch two or three minutes of things just getting worse and worse and worse. And it's just like, oh, man. yeah, my, the best time for that ever was I was watching that movie Sinister, you know, the uh, movie with the Ethan Hawke finds the creepy, you know, the horror movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was. I was like sitting in a field at night under this big radio tower watching that movie on my phone, just holding it all close to my face. And there's like a jump scare right at the end. I swear to God, I almost shit my pants. <laughs> it was so scary. <laughs> so it's, it's a good way to watch a movie in some ways. And yeah, with this movie, like I would, you know, email Anna just like, yeah, I've been watching this movie for two weeks and it's just about to start getting bad. So instead of just 90 minutes of tension, it's like, yeah, just endless days of like oh no these people are not gonna be okay <laughs> you turned it into like a horror novel with the way you did it yeah that's a great way to watch a horror movie um but in like you know if you were part of a horror movie and you're sitting in the woods watching a horror movie in the horror movie there's probably a serial killer watching your every step just fyi i mean that's true yeah, you were, you were totally being stalked by a yeah. lumberjack serial killer. serial killer. I don't know lumberjack, definitely. These Just to make it Canadian house. sounding. <laughs> and these woods by my house are like pretty much, you know, it's a big patch of woods, but it's just in the middle of a city. It's no big deal. But uh, somehow some bears got in there the other day, and they had to capture them and get them Ooh. out of there. But it's like, oh, I was just hanging out at night in the woods like a weirdo. While the bears were there, that was a bad call. <laughs> Man, They're like, hey, mauled. there's that guy again. <laughs> Does he have food? I saw in Mythbusters that cayenne pepper is a good deterrent. Was yeah. it a myth? No, it was It was found it to be fact. <laughs> like you, you eat the cayenne pepper and they they smell it on your breath and they go away? No, you like... You like douse pepper. yourself in it. <laughs> I was going to say you douse like around your car and stuff. Like, if you have food in the Oh. Okay. I mean, that, I guess that makes sense, because they have, like, bear pepper spray. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and that's one of the key ingredients in pepper spray, but also bears have, like, hypersensitive noses, so they just, like, can't even handle being near it. So, Unless, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think if you like douse yourself in pepper, then maybe their their poops will be spicy. Because I don't know <laughs> if it works. <laughs> like if they still eat you? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So the movie starts off. It's two British tourists. And just so this movie came out in 2005, just so we're clear, the time period is roughly 99, 2000 in the film. So there's, it's not modern day. There's not like cell phones and shit. Well, you know, not cell phones as we know it. They in fact, I don't even see any cell phones in this uh, at all. No, but I did see smearing off eyes. Did you? <laughs> yeah. During the party scene or whatever. At the yeah, party. I was like, they're yeah. talking smearing off. What the? <laughs> I mean, uh, my roommate does that sometimes, or my my old roommate now. Yeah. Not you to your roommate, but you to the Smirnoff eyes. That's just like a belly ache. Yeah, she likes those sugary drinks. It's It's fucking Jolly Rancher liquor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, not not to to down her by any means, but she is twenty one, so. Yeah. True. True. She really just started drinking, like legitimately, because she's a former Mormon. Yeah. Sorry, guys, for that cough. Hmm. Okay, so. It's like 99. There's two British tourists. Put your face closer to the mic. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Morgan. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) All right. We're in Western Australia. There's two British, um, like, young, like, early 20s tourists one's name is liz the other one's name is christy and uh they are backpacking across the country with a friend of theirs that's actually a native from australia and his name is ben um ben goes out and buys this um shitty dilapidated car and that's like one of the first scenes you see is him like waiting for this guy to uh crank it up or whatever and get it fixed and he just keeps saying yep a lot yep yep (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh so you know it's it starts off pretty mundane boring you know they're just getting this cheap ass car fixed up so that they can drive across the country and so they uh start off on their trip towards the uh title uh wolf creek national park so, so what, uh there's a quick yeah. question for you guys how good are you yeah. guys with accents did you have any idea that they weren't all australian uh, yeah, I watch a lot of British and Australian television and listen to a lot of foreign podcasts as well. So I can tell when they're British and who was Australian. Like, it was obvious to me that the guy was from there and that the girls weren't. Nice, because, yeah, when uh, they explained it to the guy, like, I'm I'm an Aussie, they're British. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, I had no idea. I couldn't tell at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was kind of confused because I thought um, the one who's supposed to be Ivan Malat, uh, I guess it's, uh, what was his name? Mick Taylor. Yeah. I mean, I could tell he was Australian. So. Yeah, I thought <laughs> he wasn't. Was, was, what, really? Yeah, <laughs> I thought he wasn't. It was really I thought obvious. He, I mean, it was obvious that he's from Australia, like in the movie. But in real life, I was like, "Oh, that's a fake accent." <laughs> and then I looked. No, it's it's he's such a real. I mean, he's such a caricature of an actor in reality 
that that's his actual accent. He's yeah. uh, actually a really famous Australian actor. Like, he's been doing a lot of, like, Australian horror for a long time. Yeah, I'm just terrible, I guess. Because I was like, I actually watched the uh, the show first by accident. And then I was like, wait, this is a show. This is not a movie. And in the opening scenes of that show, it sounds like he's, like, faking the accent. Is in the, the show, show the same, like, plot? I didn't know there was a show. There is a, a show. show. Oh. Is that, so does oh. that just take forever? Like, what? Because <laughs> it's kind of a thin story. Like, I like that about this movie, that it's not super complicated. But how do you stretch this out any more than it is? Oh, it's oh what you don't what you don't know is that there's this movie. There's a second Wolf Creek. There will be a third Wolf Creek coming out in 2022. And there's a TV show that has two seasons. Man, yeah. I mean, I guess there is a TV show of everything. Did you know there's a TV show of 10 Things I Hate About You? I was aware of that. Oh yes. I, I watched it last year because it only ran for one season. And I'm like, this is really weird because it's all the wrong actors. But it's kind of cool. Did it bring you back to like middle school or, you know? Yeah, I mean, it just made me want to watch the movie because it wasn't a very good show. But yeah, there really is a show of everything. Wow. Dang. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. It came on that um, like ABC Family Channel or whatever. Oh, at least in, in America, that's where it came on. Like, I'm just having a hard time envisioning how Wolf Creek could be a show, though. Like, is it different people every episode, or does it just take, like, six hours to finally kill somebody? Like, so the plot of the Wolf Creek series is a girl travels to Australia, an American girl, to Australia to seek revenge on her family members that were murdered by uh, McTaylor. So it's a revenge story. Yeah, it's like her revenge to him. But the they go on this trip or whatever for her to get clean off of heroin, right? Or something. Something. Yeah, that happens too. It's, yeah, and then, and then he kills them. Like, And it's like in the first ten minutes of the movie. I mean, show. Show. But yeah, like in the show, he sounds like he's like over-exaggerating his accent. So I was like... Oh, this is not, this is not Australian. I'm so sorry to John Jarrett. Um, in the movie, he sounds more legit. In the show, he's like, oh, I think it's a little over. I think he's probably playing it up a little bit, but I mean, he is a legitimately, you know, a bushwhack in Australian. <laughs> I'm so sorry, John Jarrett. I know he'll never listen to this, but probably not. <laughs> you're a great actor. Got it. It really is kind of a cool thing of just that, you know, the connection to Crocodile Dundee, because obviously that was also just based on these weird Bushmen in in Australia. So it does Absolutely. have that that whole sense of just goofy 80s nonsense until he starts, you know, cutting people up. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And, well, and it's like, that's not a knife. This <laughs> is a knife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good part. So um, the director... Greg McLean, he actually based, so it not only was uh, Mick Taylor based on Jesus Christ, <laughs> not only was he based on Ivan Milat, but he was also based on basically like the, any over the top archetypal Australian, so like Steve Irwin, Crocodile Dundee, so it's just like a mesh of those mushed together, and that's what 
you got. And uh, the actor, um, John Jarrett, took it really far, like very um, method acting. Like, so he started killing people? No, he went out into the outback and just like lived off the land for a few months and didn't shower. Oh, so it's like, um, oh, what is his name? Oh, my God. The guy who was in Holes. Oh, Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> yeah, it was like Shia LaBeouf in that Tank movie with Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what that movie is called, but I know what you're talking about. It's cool, too, that Australia, this, as far as I know, I mean, it's kind of the only place where you can even have this, this setting. Because I heard somewhere that like, if you want to drive across the outback, you have to bring your own gas because there's these stretches where there's not even gas stations. So That's if you true. just want to you just want to hang out by yourself and be a weirdo and maybe kill some people, like, it's a pretty good spot for that. That's, that's why I've always thought that Australia is terrifying because the country itself is just so massive and enveloping, yeah, let alone I... the killers that could be out there. <laughs> yeah, it's like mass stretches of, you know, nothing. And then... All of their animals and insects are poisonous. <laughs> yeah, everything wants to kill you in Australia. <laughs> everything, even the plants. Yeah. Wait, okay, Morgan. So do you remember when you came to visit me at the house that everyone joked was like a commune? Yes, like with the, the rooms that were separated by... Like sheets? Sheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was really worried about you. <laughs> Thanks. I tried to save um, you. <laughs> look, that was several boyfriends ago now, and about six years. So that was longer than that. That was like ten years ago. No, it wasn't. That was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Promise. What's it? Absolutely. I think I know. <laughs> okay, I guess you. Do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Remember oh, what about- I. Oh, um, well, Craig, that was his house. Craig, um, his father, Craig was actually born in Australia. And they they were stationed there um, with the army. But they lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere. So, like, you legitimately, <laughs> it was like, it was like against the law to not travel without like two gallons of gasoline at least with you or like five gallons or something and then you also had to have like a gallon of water like in case you get thirsty and you get stuck out there wow so gas is a hot commodity um so if you're looking for a career change you should (laughs) open up a gas station in the middle of nowhere in australia (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think, too, it's where, like, Mad Max, it's not a coincidence that that came from Australia. Because, yeah, you just go to the center of Australia, and it's the apocalypse. Like, it, it's what <laughs> totally. it would be like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. That's cool. Fun we just fact. took a long, we just took a long, um, sidetracked moment this there. like two episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking no. at the timer, like. Has it really been like 38 minutes? Like, wow, this is going to be the longest episode of all time. But Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, though, our episodes keep getting longer and longer. Mark said that earlier when he was looking through them. It's true, though. I looked. It's true. They've gotten increasingly longer. But who knows? Um, maybe it's we'll fun. break it up into two. Maybe we won't. You know, whatever. We'll I mean, see what happens. Like- 
we're like 10 minutes into the plot recap, right? We're, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, you, you know what? We're not that bad. It's not that bad. Anyway. Hey, it so, took me like two weeks, so we yeah, don't know exactly. where we'll go. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. lightning lightning speed for me. <laughs> right. Okay, so the, our trio has made it into the Wolf Creek Park. Um, you know, they do a little hike or whatever, uh, um, their car and their watches have all inexplicably stopped for some reason. Like there's weird, you know, magnetic activity or some shit. I don't know. They don't really ever explain why that happened, but I did. And so, uh, they're stuck there, but they come across our man, Mick Taylor, and he offers to repair their car. And uh, so he tows their car and drives them back to his place, which is at an abandoned mining site. Uh, fun fact, while this was being filmed at this actual mining site, um, it was the place where someone else had legitimately been murdered. So a lot of locals were really upset that they were filming a horror movie there. Ooh, I bet the set was haunted, too. Whoa! I don't know. I haven't heard anything like that, but, you know, maybe. Not that I believe in that kind of thing, as we've well documented. <laughs> um, anyway. I really, I do like, too, how this guy, I don't know him, the actor, I haven't seen him anywhere else, but he does a really great job in this of, like, he hits that balance of, like, your weird mechanic uncle or something who... You know, really likable guy, really uh, handy to have around. But then every once in a while, he'll just throw in the off-color joke or the creepy remark. And you're like, you're like, how do I feel about this guy? I don't know. He seems okay, but he seems not okay. Yeah. I say something really controversial. Ooh, go for it. Where Morgan and I are from, that creepy uncle is also the, the uncle that's absolutely molested someone in the family. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> confession no i'm just kidding uh no it's it's legit yeah and the off-color jokes that you're like hold on what and yeah that's that's legit and it's such a weird subtle kind of like power play too when people do that like they tell the joke that they know makes everyone uncomfortable is just like a jovial way of asserting their dominance or whatever like are you gonna call me on it uh nope you're not because i'm the bushman and yeah it's just creepy <laughs> yeah i'm the creepy bushman <laughs> i'm resisting so hard like trying an australian accent because i can't do it <laughs> it'll just be horrible but i keep wanting to <laughs> Yeah, I need to apologize to everyone. <laughs> Morgan has never awesome. been afraid to bust out an accent in the past. <laughs> I can't imagine this will stop her today. Oh, yeah. You know it, right? <laughs> that, that's, well, that mildly sounded Australian at the end, but I think it sounded more British to start off with. Yeah, I'll get better. <laughs> that you was know, better. <laughs> one thing... This is like bringing back weird memories that a few years ago I did. Uh, <laughs> you know that, uh, you know, that show American Ninja Warrior where they do like the uh, obstacle courses. There's an Australian one, Australian Ninja Warrior. And I guess, yeah, I downloaded a bunch one just cold, lonely winter. And it's so great because it's the same like show, except it's all like, oh, he's making South Queensland proud. <laughs> I have to watch this. And they say everyone's oh, height in inches 
or uh, not inches, you know, centimeters. And uh, even though I'm from Canada, I don't know what that means. I know height, you know, feet and inches. But I started learning what the metric heights are just from Australian Ninja Warrior. Like, oh, he's 185 centimeters. He's a large lad. I'm not trying to brag, but in junior high, I won the state gold medal for metric estimation. <laughs> There's a medal for that. <laughs> At Science Olympiad, there is. I feel like everybody from Europe or like not America, you know, not like the continent of America. I'm including Canada too. But I feel like anybody that is from not that area could win that medal very easily. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, that's the America only, North America only medal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, you're from Germany? Get out. You know this. Well, I mean, it's like you walk into a room and you just see some big thing. Let's say it's a statue. And they're like, all right, estimate the circumference of this in meter and, and you know, in metric. Hmm. That's not as easy as you think it sounds. Oh, it yeah. sounds horrifying. It doesn't sound easy at all. It sounds like, like a nightmare. Ah, it's about five. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's weird because in Canada, like we do everything else metric and we have Celsius and stuff, but it just doesn't make sense to me for height. Once you say a hundred of something, I'm like, okay, now I have no sense of what you're even saying. Like five, six is so easy to envision and like a hundred and He's 165 cent. Like, get out of here. <laughs> He's 195 centimeters and three stone. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, when they start saying stones, I'm like, no idea. Where the fuck did stone come from? <laughs> Morgan, you just went really far away. Did I? Yeah, you you got you sounded really tiny. Like, sorry, Alice. I laughed away from my mic. Mm, that's what happened. <laughs> you sounded like Alice when she like shrinks after drinking the bottle or whatever. I'm going away. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I do like too with the setup of this movie, just that idea of how creepy, helpful yet creepy this guy is. That they're really resisting. They're like, I don't know, like, do we go with this guy? But they just literally have no other option <laughs> you know it's a good setup for a horror movie that's true because yeah it's, uh... and it it seems real too like it seems like it could happen like well, you're I mean, it it did basically true yeah yeah i guess we'll get into that when we get to the end of the movie but i kept forgetting it was based on a real thing so yeah some crazy shit happens in this movie that i'm like what a weird choice by the screenwriter and then at the end i'm like oh right <laughs> that's why it's so weird it's crazy. Ugh. Where are we in this movie? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so they've just made it to Mick Taylor's creepy lair where he's uh, going to fix their car. <clears throat> you good? Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. While you guys were talking, I slipped a sweet tart in my mouth i didn't want to be that <laughs> i didn't want to be that person that was like audibly smacking into the microphone <laughs> i didn't want to be that i didn't want to be that person at least it wasn't a candy corn i have those though <laughs> Ew. yep i know they're a controversial um candy i sent morgan a little cartoon about it earlier on snapchat 
Yeah. the rolls for her first. Yeah, because it would definitely be me eating the candy corn and the black licorice. Yeah, not, it's disgusting. Not avoiding them. I love them. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. And you know what? That means more of that candy for me because everybody hates them. <laughs> <laughs> so, when? Anyway. So, they're sitting around the fire, right? And, uh, you know, he's, like, telling tall tales of, uh, you know, like, hunter shit. He's trying to make himself sound macho. He's just kind of bragging. And they're, uh, you know, like, having drinks and, you know, just kind of waiting for him to fix the car, essentially. And, you know, they need to get some sleep anyway. It's nighttime. Um... They do, too, such a good job here of just setting that, making the tension, like, ratchet up. Where, yeah, like, he's telling these stories about, like, slicing up a pig. And, you know, how different is it to slice up a person from a pig? So that's creepy. And every little, like, social faux pas kind of moment just feels real bad. Especially because I guess we know it's a horror movie. But, like, uh, the Ben guy makes a Crocodile Dundee joke. And uh, and then the girls kind of go, Ben, to, like, go tell the guy, like, hey, you know, can you... You have it ready in the morning, right? Because, you know, you're kind of fucking creepy. We want to leave. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh, don't, don't. I mean, it doesn't matter, I guess. Either way, he was going to kill them. But I'm like, just don't embarrass this guy. He's going to double kill you. Yeah, double, double time kill you. <laughs> like, even the laugh that he has, he's like, <laughs> like, that laugh is, is just stuck. It's burning my brain. Like, it's so creepy. It's maniacal, and he's just, I think because he committed to this role so much, he really embodies it. He just makes it come to life in a way that I don't really think anyone else could have done. Yeah, and you can smell him. Through yeah, especially knowing that he, like, physically didn't bathe. You could really smell him now, right? Yeah, dude. It's like <laughs> grease and sweat. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Ugh. <laughs> all right so they all pass out because he's spiked the water that he's given them um see i completely missed that part really yeah, yeah. I, mean, I didn't either but that makes sense like yeah yeah well, i was wondering i was gonna say like how the hell did she just wake up with like <laughs> my hands are tied and i'm just like what what happened yeah he did ah uh, <laughs> makes sense yeah mm-hmm. okay he did do so, sort of a bad job of, like, tying everyone up. They, everyone escaped pretty easy, or at least the one girl and the guy. You know, maybe he likes it. Maybe he likes letting them escape so he can chase them through the outback. Yeah, it's, I, you know, it's the, all, the it. whole aspect of the most dangerous game. Right. <sighs> yeah. And he wanted to hunt them, I think. Cause that's yeah, because he leaves the cars, too. It's like, mm-hmm. here's, like, 7,000 cars for you to drive. Thrill of the kill. I think, yeah. I think he wanted to hunt them. Like, prey. Because that's what he already did, was hunt shit for a yeah, living. Sniper rifles. Yeah. That's his hobby. Hunting things. Be it human or wild boar. I don't know. Kangaroo. Which one of those... Never mind. I'm, I'll get to it later. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liz wakes up gag and tied in the shed. Uh, she breaks out pretty easily and she hears 
Christy screaming and crying and uh, figures out that Christy's being tortured by Mick in the garage. And he sees, or she sees um, him, like, sexually assaulting her, which, um, honestly, yes, he has this scene, but I've seen way worse scenes in movies. Like, this is, as far as sexual assault scenes go, it's not that bad. I just hate the part where he goes, I'm gonna cut your tits off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's fucking brutal. Yeah, like, come on, not those. I'm really attached to them. Please, we grew take my, together. Take my hand. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, really, don't take anything of me. That you know, just don't kidnap me. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. Oh, this is, I shouldn't even bring this up, but this creepy thought just crossed my mind. What if one of us gets killed someday by a horrible serial killer person? Someone's going to come back and find these podcasts and it's just going to be so creepy talking about horror movies. And then like, do you know that the people in that podcast actually got killed? (laughs) Yeah, no, sometimes I think about it because I'm pretty sure I'm going to die of like a brain aneurysm one day. But like... Um, on the second side, most likely to be killed by a serial killer, definitely. I get into some weird situations, so pretty sure. I mean, I've told you, I, I've, have I, Morgan, have I mentioned on the podcast my connection to Natalie Holloway before? Sort of. Sort of? Because you went to school with her brother. Yes. Brother. I. Yeah. Her little brother was in my second and fourth grade class, and uh, <laughs> one of our mutual friends claims that he had, like, a elementary school crush on me at some point. So, uh, yeah. And I remember, like, the mom and stuff, too. And, you know, the mom, or his mom, is dating um, John Benet Ramsey's Yes. Yes, that's so crazy to me. That's so crazy. Yes pretty crazy but you know what that means now i, I have together yeah but that means now i'm like three degrees three or four degrees from john benet well my right. mom screamed natalie we're coming to find you like right after she went missing when we were in the airport in aruba and i was like mama that's not fucking cool oh my but god she was also loaded from the airplane and security was like if you do that again we will escort you out and i was like so embarrassed it was literally like right after she went missing oh my god probably people there like did you like i'm guessing you guys had already had this trip planned beforehand yes Yes, we did because i mean like who would go to aruba right after (laughs) by choice yeah yeah, it was probably like eight months afterwards. Yeah, I just did a, a quick Google for anyone listening who also doesn't know the Natalie Holloway story. I'm seeing here, 18 year old went missing from Alabama. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. That's why. <laughs> that's why they know. Yeah, because uh, we're from Mississippi, so I was like, <laughs> pretty close, I guess. Yeah, and, and like I said, he went to the same school as me and lived in Mississippi for until he was like 10 or 11. And yeah, so Natalie like, would have been about 14 or 13, something like that. 13. Yeah, it was a big case for a while. Yep. I guess thanks to Nancy Grace. Nancy did uh, really rocket that to the top. 
she loves to talk about when a white girl goes missing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is her bread and butter. Or when a white mother drowns her babies in the bathtub. <laughs> oh yeah, she loves to talk about that too. Look, basically, if it's a if it has anything to do with a white girl, she's on it. Yeah, she's right. That's on what that. Nancy Grace cares about: oh, white women. Hater. Hater. Yep, agreed. Anyway, so back back <laughs> to the movie. So this is what uh, this movie in general. I mean, it's really well shot. It looks really beautiful. But I really liked. I'm not like a huge film nerd guy. I don't know tons about filmmaking. But I loved this scene where. I already forgot the girl's names, but the one is looking in the window, watching her friend who's tied up being tortured and harassed by the guy. Just the way we're also like outside, you know, like all the shots are peeking through the window and she goes to a different window and to see a different angle. And it really made it super creepy. They did a great job on that. Yeah, that's that's what was. Yeah, for me, because it was like first person view like over her head like uh. yeah and it really puts you in that moment of like what do i do like how do i approach this situation i can't just leave but what the hell am i supposed to do like this guy is murder machine bushman <laughs> like god, god damn. <laughs> all right so liz <clears throat> in order to distract the killer mick uh sets the now their now dismantled car on fire uh and then she goes to help Christy. Uh, when Mick returns, she shoots him with his rifle, uh, and it grazes him in the neck. Right in the neck. Right in the neck. And she go- She takes forever to reload, and but then there's no bullets. And then she just beats him over the head with it. Or she doesn't even beat him over the head. She just beats him, like, in the middle of the chest. And she doesn't, like, bash his fucking brains in. I would have made sure there was brain matter. No, I would have gotten that big old knife and cut his fucking head off. Yeah, but that's just like the point is you got to double tap. You got to make sure that that motherfucker's dead. Yeah, break his <laughs> neck. Maybe it'll take two of you because he's a big dude. But I, I think I would have grabbed that knife because he had the fucking knife and they didn't take it from him. I would have yeah. armed. I, I would have taken that as a trophy. And it's one of those, it's a real bummer too, where when you look back at the end of the movie and you're looking back over what happened, you're like, that was the one, that one shot with the gun. That was it. That was your only hope. That was your chance. And everything after that was just waiting to die. Yeah. You you fucked it up. You fucked it all up. We're not victim blaming for the. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course. (laughs) But they did really blow that one shot. Yeah. All right. So. She, uh, you know, like I said, just kind of doesn't really seal the deal. Leaves him to where he could definitely get back up. Um, they get into um, Mick's car and kind of drive off and attempt to flee. Um, no, no, let's go back. Okay. He, he gets up. Did you get to that part? Well, he gets he stumbles out of the garage and shoots at them um, before giving chase. It's they evade. So dumb. Sorry, I, I would have. Ah, it made me so mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, they evade him by pushing his truck off a cliff, uh, and then they return back to his 
uh, little dungeon of hell to, <laughs> to get another car. Because like Morgan said, there's just cars everywhere for people to pick up. Um, Liz leaves uh, Christy outside, uh, telling her to escape on foot if she's not back within about five minutes. Um, and then Liz enters the garage and sees Mick's, like, large stock of cars and traveler's possessions and also, like, video cameras. And there's this little scene where she plays back one of the video cameras and sees Mick, like, helping this other family um, that were stranded. And she sees Ben's camera and uh, sees Mick's um, truck in the footage which is kind of kind of means that he had been following them for a while <laughs> and like stalking them before they even got to Wolf Creek. Um, well, that was another then... super creepy thing about uh, those little movies of like the other family that he presumably did something similar to. And that family had like a kid. And it's such a great way of just like really insinuating some super creepy shit without ever having to actually show it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, he murdered that, you know, that child had some terrible, horrible death. <laughs> and, and it's nice to have that sort of balance. Like, you know, you get a bit of just gross in your face stuff, but a bit left to uh, the imagination. You know, sometimes when movies are just over the top, like a Serbian tale or whatever, you're like, all right, calm down. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've seen the Serbian film. Yeah. I tried yeah. to watch that in a hotel by myself and I was I was Morgan, like, why? Is... I know. It's a bad idea. Yeah, like it hits a point where it's like, okay, I get it. You're a cool, edgy horror filmmaker. Like, get out of here. <laughs> it was terrible. And uh, yeah, I went no, to my it... car and I had a flat tire the next day. <laughs> that movie gets uh, like yeah. kind of offensive at some point. Uh yeah, the entire thing. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Anyway. This is not about a Serbian film. <laughs> yeah, that balance is nice where you're left to your imagination of what happened with that family and that child and what did that child see. Yeah, and yeah, you never know what happened, what the fate of them is at all. Okay. They did. Yeah, they, they did for sure. <laughs> they did. They did. <laughs> um, although... If we're staying true to the actual killer, Ivan Malat only killed people in their like early twenties. Yes. Like, or, like, That's nice of him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't kill any children, so No children. That we know of though. Yeah. And I guess that also depends on your definition of children. <laughs> he didn't kill he didn't kill any really, really young children that yeah, still needed adult age. supervision. I think like nineteen was the youngest. I think nineteen is the youngest, but I I think like I you know I told you I I I have like one friend who just turned twenty, and like she seems so young to me. Like she seems like a child. Yeah, Smirnoff. <laughs> no, not my roommate. The different girl. <laughs> um. Anyway, shit. Where was I? Okay, so she watches the film and the playback. Uh, of Ben's camera and everything and realizes that Mick's been stalking them for a pretty long time. Um, she gets into a car, but Mick appears in the back seat and stabs her through the seat uh, with a, his huge fucking Bowie knife. 
she like crawls out and uh, he starts hacking her fingers off <laughs> and then he severs her spinal cord and she's paralyzed. Just um, a head on a stick. Yeah, uh, so this was the part where, again, like, because I'd been watching this movie for 18 months straight, that I just, like, <laughs> I completely forgot that it was based on anything real. So I'm just trying to think of it, you know, from, like, a, a film script perspective. So I'm like, okay, obviously this girl's the main character, so she's going to make it. And then it's just, like, she gets her fingers cut off. I'm like, okay, that went further than I expected. And then, yeah, him severing her spinal cord, he says the thing about how, like, is what they did in Vietnam, so you just be paralyzed but you're still aware and awake and i'm still in my dumb brain i'm like all right i guess she's gonna be paralyzed watching stuff happen and somehow she's gonna watch someone come save her (laughs) (laughs) oh keith you naive boy yeah it was getting increasingly (laughs) unlikely but i still i just was so sure just from like movies that this is the main character and i was fucking wrong yeah you're dead wrong (laughs) I mean, she was one of the main characters. She just wasn't going to (laughs) live. And it really was like, I mean, it was pretty creepy when he was, you know, uh, torturing the other girl earlier. But this is where it really goes from any kind of a slow burn creepiness just straight to like hacking fingers off and stuff. Like it got real fast, like crazy Mm -hmm. real fast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So the sun starts to come up and uh, Christy. Uh, has gotten, you know, the one, the one that had gotten away. Uh, she's discovered by a passing motorist. Uh, he attempts to help her, but he is shot dead <laughs> by Mick with the hunting rifle. That I know. made me so upset. I think I know. Jo- he was so cute. He was like, let me help you. I'll get you a blanket and a little warm mug. Uh, yeah. You oh, know. man. Cute old man. Cute old man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mick starts chasing Christy. Uh, she takes off in the dude's car. Uh, Mick shoots out her back tire. Um, she attempts to crawl away, but she gets uh, she gets shot dead. And then Mick grabs her body and uh, the dead motorist in the back of his car and uh, torches the car. Um, then you find out Ben is still alive. Ben wakes up and he is nailed to a, a cross like Jesus. He's crucified in a mine shaft. Yeah, uh, that's so fucking weird. Yeah, right? Um, he pulls his hands down off the nails in a scene that's pretty gross um and uh, he comes out and sees that it's daylight he escapes into the outback um ends up passing out uh cause he's dehydrated and delirious and he's lost a fair amount of blood um this little Swedish couple uh take him to a hospital and uh then you see a series of titles cards that state that the police searched for Liz and Christy and never found them, and that the investigations into the case were disorganized and were hampered by confusion over the location of the crimes, a lack of physical evidence, and the alleged unreliability of the only witness. After four months in police custody, Ben was cleared of suspicion, and the film ends with Mick walking off into the sunset with his rifle. 
Yeah, I can see why they kept that Ben guy in custody for four months because, man, talk about suspicious, right? Like, he'd <laughs> clearly be like, well, obviously this guy did it, but but he didn't. And that's where, like, it is neat to base something on a real story because, yeah, like, all of these outcomes were such weird swerves of, like, I didn't expect the first girl to get killed. I didn't expect the second girl to just get executed so quickly. And then I definitely, I just presumed that the dude was already dead. So it was all like, well, this is all surprising. And yeah, it was literally when the uh, titles came up at the end that I finally clicked back in. Like, oh, yeah, the whole reason I'm watching this movie is because it's based on a real story. Like it finally all clicked in my brain. Yeah, like I, I had no idea that I thought it was based on Ivan a lot. And then I was like, this is not anything like Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you like I researched because I, I did the research first and then watched the movie so I was like this is so confusing and then so because I was like oh it started in 1999 all those crimes were in the 80s and 90s so confused and then it's a completely different story well I kind of yeah I sort of assumed it it must be too because if even if the dude side of the story was like if he woke up in the mine shaft, rescued himself, got picked up and went back to civilization, if that was all he knew, then obviously they had to have made up everything that happened with the with the two girls. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like, I'm confused until the last, you know, the credits rolled. Like, oh, yeah. Like his, shit. his story more? would just be, I woke up crucified and everyone was dead. <laughs> The director and writer and producer, Greg McLean, um, he said that the July 2001 abduction of the British tourist Peter Falconio and the assault of his girlfriend Joanne Lees by Bradley John Murdoch in the Northern Territory of Australia was cited as an influence as well on the um, screenplay. So, the character himself is based on Ivan Millat, 
like the actor John Jarrett watched lots of um like footage of Ivan Milat doing interviews and stuff and uh, I think he even like went and like talked to him in prison himself so the person the, the the villain is based on him but I think the crime is based more on the uh, abduction of Peter Falconio and um Joanna Lee's <sighs> well, uh, Morgan, do you want to take it away? Yes. Wait. So, wait. What? Yes. What? Are we gonna Are we gonna do the the small commercial break? Morgan. Hi. Hi. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mr. Malat? Okay, we're gonna open this big guy's life right up. So I did a lot of research. I went pretty, pretty heavy. I used multiple sources. Uh, Can you remember how many newspapers over in Australia that I used? Um, And I also used uh, biography.com. Uh, slash crime figure Ivan Malat. I also use the Herald Sun. I'm just gonna run down all the ones that I I used. Uh, Herald Sun, AussieCelebs.com, which it wasn't very substantiated for a lot of the information. I used the Newcastle Herald in Australia. I also used. Uh, there's one more. Um, the Sydney Morning Herald, and I think it was the Australian, there was one more that I used, but I was not going to pay them $18, so I just kind of ripped off headlines. Ain't going to lie, not going to pay that much money for once. Being a guest guest is awesome. I just, I don't have to do any of this research. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I read um, a profile on Ivan Malat that came out like right after he died last year that the BBC did. And I also um, read a bunch of articles for Wolf Creek that were um, mainly interviews with the director. Uh, so that's my part of the research. Nice. So, Ivan Malat. He was fucking twisted. He was born Ivan Robert Marco Malat. He was born December 27th, 1944. He was the fifth out of a total of 14 kids birthed by an Australian mother and uh, and a Yugoslavian immigrant father. His father was 32. And when he met his mom, who was 14 at the time. Uh (laughs) Yeah, so she married by 16, so he was 34. And by the age of 24, she had four fucking kids. So she was pregnant most of Malat's upbringing. Um, I don't know the difference of ages, 
I didn't really look how many brothers he had, but a few were involved in this story. Uh, but I only like listed like three brothers, I think, throughout all of this. Um, so they definitely kept it in the family. The Malat brothers were like always in trouble. The mom sent them to Catholic school, but by 13, Malat had already been arrested. Um, I couldn't find why exactly. There were like multiple things about breaking and entering, but then there was something about armed robbery. Uh, so I can't really confirm that, but 13 is when he began to get on the police's radar. Then by 17, he was officially charged with breaking and entering. And then 19, he was charged with armed robbery and burglary. Um, Ivan also had relationships with two of his sister-in-laws. Uh, he had a long-term relationship and affair with his brother Boris's wife, Marilyn. Um, and the Sydney Morning Herald reported that uh, Boris's, one of Boris's daughters was actually Ivan's daughters. Uh, I could not confirm that. Uh, but I mean, it, it's well known that Ivan was sleeping with both of his brother's wives. Uh, one wife came forward to talk about him and how he was like pure evil. And she had like a short fling with him and can't believe like she could believe that he killed these people, but she like really, I can't remember her exact quote. She said like at the time he seemed nice. He had opened doors for ladies um, and he didn't drink and didn't smoke, but at the same time, he was, like, pure evil. Because <laughs> so. a bit of a bad egg. Yeah. He was the whole family was a bit of a bad egg. egg. Yeah, all of them. All of them. Um, so they're all pretty gun crazy, too. Uh, apparently, Australia passed a law um, to have the assault weapons taken from them, but they just never turned in their guns. Um, so they had assault weapons, uh, like fully automatic, as well as all of their hunting rifles. So the, the whole family was really into guns. And after both brothers found out that Ivan was sleeping with their wives, they, one of them tried to shoot Ivan, but missed, and he fled. And then two... Two other times, Boris, who that's the, they think his daughter's, um, Ivan's daughter, um, but he attempted to kill Ivan twice, but he just never followed through. Um, so they were just uh, gun crazy. And Ivan's ex-wife described him as gun crazy. Um, so a lot of people had good things to say about him. It was mixed. Um, but according to Ivan's wife, who it said they married when she was a teenager um, and they they were married for I think three years um, she said she was dating his cousin and she was pregnant with his cousin's baby but then Ivan raped her and she said somehow took possession of her 
And so then Karen is his ex-wife. She said she lived for a decade, but my sources show that's not true about the decade part. So there's a lot of different um, reports on who Karen is and what happened to her. But I will say that um, officially their marriage was, it was, I, th- I think, eight years they were married, six years separated. Um, but she was stood on the stand and said she endured physical and psychological torture. And she said she couldn't leave the house without permission. She had to show receipts for her groceries. And after he went out to go work, because um, he was like a road worker for a little while, she left and he went to her parents' house and burned down the garage. But none of this has ever been prosecuted, so I couldn't really substantiate it. It was just from different news sources in Australia. And I literally don't know the state of affairs with uh, the sources of news in Australia, but I hope I wasn't getting sources from, like, you know, uh, what's the ones here that you see in the grocery stores? Um, Tabloids? Yeah, I hope it wasn't a tabloid. (laughs) Man, though, yeah, even without murders and stuff, I'm like worn out just hearing about that dude's life. Like, settle the fuck down, man. <laughs> like, yeah, he was a piece of shit. He was a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, even till the end, he was a piece of shit. When he's dying of cancer, like, I wish Aww. he would have endured more torture from his cancer. Just, just for me. Um, but then um, he was, you know, like petty crimes, and then he started escalating um, to like armed robbery, uh, auto theft. And then I think, it, I don't know the date, I didn't put the date on here, but Ivan was accused of raping two women at knife point um, on separate occasions. I think it was like 79 or 80. Uh, I can't say that for certain because I didn't put the date um but it was brought to trial but they were like oh there's not enough evidence it's your word against him so sorry but he has to go free um Ivan lost his sister and one of his brothers he was really close with his sister um I think she died in 87 his brother died in like around 88 um, and then they believe that's what sparked it, but I don't know. I mean, there's a clear pattern of escalation from the armed robberies, the rapes, and then to murder. Um, and they're also not sure if he wasn't responsible for multiple other murders that w- occurred in the late 70s. Um, so the first victims were Deborah Everest and Ga- James Gibson. Sorry, not Games Gibson. <laughs> um, no disrespect, so, Games. Yeah, Games. Sorry, Games. Um, they were murdered on the day before New Year's or New Year's Eve. So December 30th, 1989. They... Uh, were missing for a long time, and they had plans to hitchhike from uh, Sydney to the... Is NSW the North-Southwest? 
North I don't South know Wales. It. North South Wales in New Victoria. South Wales. New? Okay. So. Um, I just saw NSW a lot, and I was like, oh, North Southwest. And I'm like, wait, that's <laughs> <laughs> almost yeah. all the directions. <laughs> You're just out there. Um, so the NSW and Victoria border. Uh, it's, more, it's more a state of mind than North Southwest. <laughs> you could be anywhere except for East. <laughs> so sorry, I am an idiot. Um, so they went missing on December thirtieth, nineteen eighty nine, but they weren't found until October nineteen ninety three. Um, and they're pretty much skeletons at this point in the forest because all of these were found within the, uh, oh my God, what is the forest? Help me out here. Belangelo State Forest. There you go. Belangelo. <laughs> yeah, so they're all found within the Belangelo State Park, um, which is in the middle of nowhere. Um, so they had found that... Um, James Gibson had been stabbed at least eight times with a large knife, a very large knife. And none of the bones were broken, but they were all cut. So the bones had been severed, but they were cut. So that means he was, like, just sawing at them. And it's so messed up. And they said one slice had cut through his spine, which caused paralysis, and he had been stabbed multiple times in the back, the chest, and he had punctures to both his heart and lungs. Um, and then Deborah Everest had been beaten so severely that her skull had been fractured in two separate places and her jaw was broken. And she also had knife marks on her forehead and she had been stabbed to the back as well. Um, which is kind of what the movie was showing about the head on the stick. Um, most of his victims had this slit through the spine. So investigators believe that he actually had done that just so they could stay alive through the rest of the torture. So they were paralyzed, um, but they could see what he was doing to them, which is fucking brutal. That yeah. is fucking terrifying that's like the worst of the worst um so and both of them were found with their pants on um unzipped i mean yeah unzipped but buttoned so they believed that they had both been sexually assaulted or it had been stripped throughout this um and then were redressed and then thrown into a shallow grave um, all of his victims were found, almost all of his victims were found this way with the pants unzipped and buttoned, which would be like him just dressing them really fast. So, um, that was like a telltale sign, which should have tipped them off before it got to the point of, I believe, eight victims. Um, so then, um... There was the case of a British hitchhiker named Paul Onions. Um, he was 24 years old. He was hitchhiking. Um, he was on his way to Madura. 
And he said, he's the only one who survived, by the way. Um, and he's the only one who could give, like, testimony of, like, yeah, this guy tried to kill me. Because everybody else that we talk about has, is, like, dead. Uh, but anyway, he tried to get a ride. A guy named Bill picked him up. And it's sort of like the movie, like you said, Keith, about him making these weird, unsettling jokes and, like, off-handed comments. That was really weird. Um, so Paul Onions actually got that when he was sitting in the truck with him on the way. He said he started asking him really weird questions. Uh, it was very xenophobic, racist, sexist. And he said he started getting pretty uncomfortable um, and knew something wasn't right with this guy. Because the guy seemed, like, super nice. Um, and then he started getting really dark. Uh, so whenever he figured out something was going to go wrong, he's like, hey, stop, let me out. Like, this is freaking me out. And he pulled a gun um, and said, no, I'm not going to let you out. And so... Paul Onions, he said, oh, I can't remember what it, yeah, he said he started asking, did anyone know where he was headed to? Was anyone waiting for him in Canberra? And had he done any special forces training in the Navy? So hmm. that's when he was like, what the fuck? Um, so they were in an isolated area right outside the bank. Belanga, how you say it? Belangolo. Belangolo Forest. Um, so this guy named Bill pulled the the truck on the side of the rope, and then he uh, truck on the side of the road, and he pulled out ropes and a gun, and he said that I'm gonna rob you, uh, so don't move. And then that's when Paul Onions uh, jumped out of the truck, started to run. And then this guy named Bill, which was uh, Malat, he chased him through the woods and, with a gun and started shooting. Um, luckily, he hid. I don't know how long he hid. Some reports were like a few hours and some were a few minutes until a car pulled up. So I don't know. Um, but a car pulled up and he told them what happened. He went to the nearest police station, reported it, and they're like, okay. Well, we'll send you back to England then. No other investigation. He lost his passport. He lost his backpack. He lost everything. Um, and Malat escaped. And that would have been a short run for Malat if the Australian authorities actually investigated further into what happened. Um, they just thought, oh, it's, a, it's just a burglary gone wrong. Or I'm a robbery. Just, I'm imagining he tells them the whole story and he's all freaked out and terrified and they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your name is Paul Onions? <laughs> <laughs> Do you make people cry easily? <laughs> Get on out of here. <laughs> Get on out. Yeah, they um actually escorted him to Sydney and like had him on the plane the next day. And he was like, okay, well, fuck this. I'm going back to England. I'm never coming back here. And telling, he talkies, are you Paul Onions? <laughs> <laughs> he made fun of my name. <laughs> so yeah, get out. Um, so, 
he ended up going back to England. I guess he was, you know, he was scarred for forever. He definitely still is, and it probably sucks to be, you know, one-on-one with a murderer, and you're the one that got away, the only one known. So Um, the the movie, then, is just basically entirely made up? Like, none of those characters are real people? And I don't know if you can answer this question, but all of these people in this movie were done by a different murderer. They just used the... Um, you know, the pieces of Malat's crimes, right? Yeah, they use, like, the way Malat killed and um, the fact that Malat had murdered, you know, an Australian and a couple of British people. I mean, he murdered other backpackers besides that, but those were included. Um, But the most closely, uh, the crimes in the movie, is what I was saying earlier, um, they're most closely related to the abduction of Peter Falconio and um, the assault of his girlfriend, Joanna Lees, okay, by Bradley so I, John Murdoch. I didn't mean so. to jump you ahead, but I just thought it was weird in the movie, you know, to say so-and-so. They were never found, but I'm like, well, are they even real? <laughs> it seems weird to say if it's just a They're movie. not, but I mean, if you think about um, the Blair Witch Project, it uh-huh. also presents itself like that. Right. But like. That wasn't real at all, obviously. <laughs> so the dude's real, right? The guy? Um, no. Well, I mean, if you want to say that he's similar to Peter Falconio, then yeah. But ah. he's not an actual person. They just fictionalized it as much as they could. Um, I believe because, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where criminals actually have a little bit of say in their life's work. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's happened before. I can't think of what I'm thinking of, but, like, um, I want to say one of the other... Yeah, okay, yeah, I know what I'm thinking of. for their likeness. No, remember, it was um the last film that we watched. Chikatilo? Um, yeah, Chikatilo, like, didn't want one of the movies, like, the first movie that was made about him released... He, like, made a big fuss about it. Said it made him look bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the girls. The two Australian girls. Or New Zealand. Uh, yeah, Australian. I guess yeah. it's kind of better, too, to sort of put a twist on it instead of, like, glorifying an actual horrible murder man. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I feel like if you're going to do this, you kind of have to make it that way. Because all of the horror movies... Well, I feel like a lot of the horror movies that play it like straight feels like you're glorifying them. Like think about the like the mass of Ted Bundy biopics. It feels kind of like Ted Bundy worship. Yes. Yeah. It literally does. And then yeah. don't even start on uh Manson's crew that went on that, years exactly. and years. Like there's I um found this Instagram page. I don't know if she was someone who I don't want to call her out, <laughs> but she was like, yeah, I'm part of Manson's family. And I'm just like, but do you realize what they did? Like, I don't like, know <laughs> what you, you know. See. He's dead too, right? Yeah, he's dead. And like, they killed a pregnant woman. Like, <gasps> although she was married to um, Kitty Diddler. <clears throat> yeah, but that. Okay, 
that's not substantiated. <laughs> and why would you be the one that kills an I mean, baby for it? I mean, that one thing that he did was substantiated. The uh, the 13-year-old in the hot tub? Then that why happened. don't they kill that motherfucker and not his wife and his baby? Because the, that hadn't happened yet. Hold on, that are you part of his... the Manson family? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh no. my god. No, but I have read Helter Skelter, okay? Helter Skelter. I have not read that, but I have listened to a lot of different reports on everything. But we're not talking about Manson, and I'm really worried about you. (laughs) Um, uh, Just so you know, I will probably never do one on Manson. um, So much. Because it's overdone. Oh, okay. And and we all know that I prefer to do things that are a little less done. Yes, you do. This is probably the most famous case we've done. Really? Don't you think so? (laughs) I'm so basic that what I picked is just like... (laughs) (laughs) I guess it is. Yeah, Um, because... I I would say, like, this and Chikatilo are both pretty famous serial killers. Yeah, Chikatilo is up there. That brought back some memories of your last episode because back in the 90s, my I don't know what it is, but my parents are both big into serial killers. Like, it's weird. But my dad had a book about him in the 90s and was all like, oh, man, it's so great. Like, I mean, maybe great's the wrong word, but yeah, it's like the (laughs) cops like covered up for him. They didn't want to admit that they didn't know what was happening. And they, and it's like, he got away with murders that are crazy. You could never get away with here. And I'm just like, cool, dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go to the Soviet Union. <laughs> and then like a little while after that, my mom had a book about like a local New Brunswick, Canada um, murder. And she's like, you should read this. It happened around here. And I'm like, I think I'm understanding now why you two got together. <laughs> like, what is going on here? <laughs> And Andrew thinks one day I will murder him. <laughs> Mark doesn't think I'm going to murder him, but he wants, he doesn't want to watch any of my murder porn. And it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Andrew pretends to listen to it. He'll just push play and just be like, yeah, listen to it. I think it's not sweet. I think him. it's sweet that he'll play it <laughs> and not listen to it. That's him like putting forth effort. Yeah, right. he just pushes play. I'm getting, doesn't... I'm getting those listens. We're getting yeah, those shout listens. out to Andrew, who'll never hear this. Yeah, <laughs> same thing to Mark. Unless he's, like, <laughs> is standing outside the door right now, which he could be. So your parents are serial killers, Keith? No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're working it's, kinda, it's looking that way. <laughs> uh, All right, so back to not-so-funny topics. Uh, uh, let's see, where did we leave off? So, Caroline Clark and Joanne Walters were um, British backpackers. Um, They were last seen leaving the King's Cross Hotel, uh, which I believe is in Sydney. I didn't write that down. Uh, But they were last seen on April 18th, 1992. Um, and they were found September 19th, 1992. Um, Walters was discovered to have 14 stab wounds um, around her neck, her chest, and a whole bunch in her her back. Um, and they said they were in her spinal column. 
so it, she still would have been alive. So they believe that that's like the movie where he pushes that. So they think that that was his thing. So he would paralyze them and keep assaulting her. He's never really admitted to anything. He maintained his innocence up until the end. So this is all speculation. Um, but Clark had been tied up and used as target practice. Um, she had been shot a total of 10 times to the head and seven bullets were recovered from her skull and they were kept for forensic analysis to see who um, had these guns. And this actually proved very useful in the uh, investigation because you had to have a hunting license. So around this area, they did like a search around uh, this forest and they had like 32 hits for these type of bullets from a hunting rifle. Um, so that's when his name appeared and they're like, oh, we know him. Um, but then before these bodies were found, um, German backpackers Simone Schmidl and yeah, it was just her. She was a lone backpacker hitchhiking from Sydney to Melbourne. Um, and they were performing a sweep in 1993 after they had found, um, uh, I can't get this out. Uh, I don't know who they had found, um, but they, yeah, they found a skeleton. So they were just doing a sweep and they found her. Um, she had been missing since January 20th, 1991. Um, they discovered that she had been stabbed at least eight times. She had her spine severed in two different areas, um, and she was stabbed in her lungs and her heart. So they believe she was alive throughout the torture as well. Um, but with her body, they found clothes but then they're like, these aren't her clothes. These are different persons. Um, and they belong to Anja Habscheid. Uh, she was a 20-year-old German backpacker who also went missing with a Gabor, a Gabor Nugab? Nuschbauer? Um, Is it Nuschbauer? That sounds right to me. Yeah, Nuschbauer. Um, they also went missing from King's Crossing, um, and they had plans to hitchhike from Sydney to Darwin, which was a really long way. Um, and they went missing in December 1991. So they found Andre's clothing on, um, Simone's body. So then they related, you know, they, they determined that, well, these are different crimes. They happened in different times, but these are definitely related um, and it wasn't until, I think it was like 93, yeah, they found Gabor Nuschbauer and Anja's uh, Abscheid's body uh, on a fire road, which was right outside the forest um, in, on November 4th, 1993. And they were buried like 160 feet apart. So they figured that they were killed at different times and just buried where their bodies laid. Um, and in a lot of these crimes, 
they discovered that there were makeshift campsites around the bodies, including fire pits. Um, and there were cigarettes found, but everyone said that he did not <laughs> smoke. So that makes me think, and it makes a lot of people speculate, that there were multiple people in these murders. And there's been a lot of hints to that his family, because they kept it in the family. I mean, it would only make sense that they were all involved. Um, they have maintained their innocence, and there's not much tying them to the crimes. Um until Malat's defense lawyer died, and I'll discuss about that later. Um, but so uh, Anja was decapitated, but her head has never been found. And Gabor was shot in the head six times, and he was also stabbed. Uh, and like everyone else, they had their pants buttoned, but they're unzipped. Um, so they think that he sexually assaulted a lot of his victims, but then redressed them. But a lot of these were never confirmed either. Um, a lot of the females were determined. I mean, they're all found so late. It was kind of too late to see if they had been, you know, raped or whatever. But he had those two other rape by knife um, claims way earlier. So, um, a lot of heat quickly went on a lot uh, around, I think, 93, because they had some forensic evidence that all of these people, it wasn't until 1993 that they had all the forensic stuff to say, oh, these are probably done by the same people. Because they never said it was just one person. They always thought it was multiple. Um, and that's when they cast that wide net to see um, who would turn up. And Malat popped up on the radar. Um, they said um, four of them were probably murdered by the same person or persons. And they had all been stabbed the same way with the spinal cord severed. Um, so then the task force was set up by the NSW police um, and the superintendent Clive Small. It wasn't until, I don't know when they actually took him in. I am so sorry. I thought I included that date. I think it was around 93, 94, because his trial started on December 12, 1994. Um, let me see. Uh, but, and the, this really is always the part of the podcast where things, yeah, they just take a quick swerve from fun time to just like, oh, geez, horrible murders. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, I try to gloss <clears throat> over a lot of the gore in the films because Morgan's going to always <laughs> go into painstaking detail of the actual murders. I go way too deep sometimes. Sorry. And I feel like, you know, we don't need the door, all that gore twice. I think, though, the high watermark, maybe for me, it was just because I'm a dude. But the one about the uh, 
the cannibals, the guy eating the other dudes like dick and stuff. That for me, that was the hardest one. I'm like, oh my god, I wish this description would end. <laughs> I know you emailed me about it. You're yeah, like, damn, like, dude. Fuck. I'm so sorry. I, I in that episode, I went off way too deep in the dark web. And I just, like, had to shower, like, seven times a day. I was just like, why did I keep reading? I went and stared into the abyss, and it I, stared back. I did. I saw its black eyes. Oh, it was so evil. Um, but, yeah, I got lost on the dark web on that episode, and I realized, like, there is a line, and I fucking crossed it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that you could access the, you know, like, you know, the um, the the sites that have been shut down because they're so fucked up that you could still see them. Did you ever get, like, Rickrolled but murder-rolled? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I did. I, what? Like, it yes. only happened to me... It only happened to me once, but I was... I don't know what I thought I was clicking on, but it was, like, this video of... Uh, it was, like, really low-res and really grainy, but it was, like, uh, some girls in a tent and like one of the girls got her head cut off and I was like, what the fuck was that? That I just clicked on and I started Googling around and it was an actual thing that happened in Morocco. And I'm like, Oh fuck that thing. I just saw that was real. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's a disturbing day. Yeah. I've, I fucking have been rickrolled, murder rolled. I didn't, I didn't know there's a term for it. I, was just I, mean, like, I, I just made that up, but there hey. we go. <laughs> Trademark. Murder rolled. <laughs> Yeah, no, I got really too deep on that one. And Andrew was like, you need to go take a bath and listen to nice podcasts and music. He even made me a playlist and was like, I'm worried about you. <laughs> yeah, he'll never hear it. But thank you, Andrew. Um, he, brought, he brought you some candy corn. You're like, yeah, you just yeah. made it worse. Oh, God, I probably would have died if he did that. But he did bring me a giant box of Ferrarachés, which are my favorite ever. Ooh, those are good. Yeah, and he bought me a box of uh, the the bath bombs. So, yeah, I'm keeping him. <laughs> I feel like you, you could almost add that as a disclaimer at the start of this podcast. Like, hey, have some chocolate around because afterward, like, I got a Boston cream donut in the fridge. I'm going to totally eat that shit after this and just feel better. <laughs> Do you Absolutely. have Girl Scout cookies in Canada? Oh, yeah, we sure do. Are they, like, Canadian Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're all the same. But I do have, like, because we have, like, maple everything up here. And uh, last year I was in Japan, and I found some maple cookies at a convenience store. And I wanted so bad to just, like, tell the clerk, like, oh, I'm, can I'm Canadian maple. But I didn't, because they'd, they'd be like, who cares? Shut up. Yeah, get out <laughs> of I mean, tourists. I <laughs> I can uh, relate to the maple everything because I live in upstate New York. Oh, and yeah. It's very mapley here as well. Well, yeah, where where I live is like thirty miles from um, the border. We're like really close to Kingston. Nice. Yeah. You mean Kingston? No, no, <laughs> more like. Lie, is it? <laughs> not uh, not that Kingston. Kingston. <laughs> Yeah, the, the tragically Canada. Canada. Okay. <laughs> Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's in like, whenever I told Ottawa? people 
people in uh, yeah uh, Ontario. Whenever Ontario, I right. told people in New York when I lived in New York and I tell people I was from New Brunswick, it took a while for me to realize they thought I was talking about New Brunswick, New Jersey, which I'd never heard of before. That's what yeah. I thought you meant. And then you kept saying Canada and I was like, yeah, yeah it's sad. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's what even, I mean, we're, we're like the smallest province, but no one cares about us. <laughs> no, people care about you. Okay. I'll have you know in sixth grade, our entire history class that year was like Canadian geography and like Canadian history for some reason in Mississippi. <laughs> With a side of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, I One have no idea why. I will move to Canada. I'm sad to say I don't know anything about Mississippi except I think isn't Axel Rose from there? No. no. Well, no, never not. never mind. <laughs> we do not claim him. Elvis, <laughs> Oprah. Three oh, doors wow. down. Oh shit! Three doors down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three doors down is our greatest. Britney no. Spears was technically born in Mississippi, raised in Louisiana. Right on the border of Louisiana, because you can see the trailer park you're up from when you go to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found out Donald Sutherland is from New Brunswick, Canada, but I think he's the only person who's famous. But hey, I'll take it. Hey, does, oh, I guess uh, Kiefer doesn't exactly count. I guess I don't know. I guess was he? He must have been born after because yeah, he's not on the wiki page, so I guess he doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's considered Canadian. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to look him up because yeah, I'll take him if I can take Kiefer. I'll, I'll take him all day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Montreal was like one of the greatest places uh, that I experienced. Yeah, but, I love it there. Man, their COVID numbers are like the worst in Canada by, no, like, really? by, by a lot. And it's like, I don't know yeah. what's going on in Quebec, but it's a bad time. So oh. very sad. Uh, I loved Montreal. I actually, um, right when I started dating Andrew, he was like, uh, we weren't even dating yet. We had just met pretty much. And he was like, hey, so you want to go on a trip with me? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, I have like tickets. We can get $50 flights to Miami or $100 flights to Montreal. And I was like, I've never been to either, but like, fuck Florida. Let's go to Montreal. So everyone was really worried about me because I had just met him and we were going to stay in a hostel in Montreal and we didn't know French and I didn't really know him, but I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And we went to Montreal and it ended up being like the world beer festival. Um, the F one, like the, the racing, what is it? The F F one racing thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's what that's what it's called. It? Yeah, F whatever. Sure. Wow. Yeah. The F one oh, racing was, thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like they call it the F one racing thing. Yeah. F one thingy thing. Um, so it was like this huge weekend and it was like a techno music festival. Um, so we only paid like a hundred dollar round trip from Richmond to Montreal. Nice. And yes, yeah, fucking great. And our hostel was amazing. I need to shout out that hostel, but I don't remember the name. Um, but everyone was so sweet and like amazing. And we had great 
food and like poutine. Am I saying it right? Yeah, poutine. Yeah, poutine? and uh, and Montreal is like the perfect level of like it feels kind of European, and all the signs are in French, so you get that feeling of French. But everyone can speak English, so you're good, you know. Yeah, except the pharmacists, which really <laughs> sucks. So if you ever get sick in Montreal and you don't know French, you're fucked. Um, I, luckily I had like a language book because the internet was out and I had a severe weird reaction to the plane ride and my uh, equilibrium was off so I kept falling over and vomiting oh, so luckily they could help me because we were passing back my uh, like tiny universe or little world or whatever book wow though yeah. that's, that's that's how you know it was a fun trip when you're like yeah I was falling over and vomiting but it was still a really good time <laughs> so great yeah they fixed me the pharmacist they laughed because they're like we don't know english and i'm like i don't know french <laughs> you're like looking at a book like voulez-vous donnez-moi la medicine yeah i'm like and they're like no <laughs> absolutely not that is inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> like, Why are you quoting bitch? Lady Marmalade? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I do say thank you, the people of Montreal, who are so hospitable and sweet and caring. And even shout out to that lady who saw me fall over in her neighborhood and asked me if she wanted. She's like, "Do you need to go to the hospital?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> you were not fine, Morgan. <laughs> I was not fine. Found out I so, had a perforation in my ear. Okay. All right. Where were we? Wrap it up. Plain. All right. So um, they came in hard on Ivan a lot. Uh, he was on the radar for a long time, but it wasn't until 19. Yeah. Let me read it. 1994, that he was charged with the murder of seven backpackers. And then uh, in December of 1994, he was committed for trial on eight charges after a 28-day hearing before a magistrate. And this is according to the Newcastle Herald. Um so it was a 28-day trial, and then the Supreme Court heard his case in 1996, which he was found guilty of the seven murders of the backpackers and the one kidnapping of uh, Mr. Onions. Um, so he was served seven life sentences for these things, he tried a few times for an appeal. He never pled guilty. He never said anything. He was um, also quoted before his death, like days to his death, that he didn't care about the victims or their families. Um, he, he never said anything that uh, tied him to anything. I mean, he, he probably tripped up on the, the trial, but I didn't, I couldn't find any, you know, um, recordings or anything or, uh, I guess, text from the trials. Um, it lasted 28 days. 
So he went to jail in 1994. I mean, he was already in jail before that. Um, but uh, yeah, 1994 is when he went to jail and then he was charged with it. So he was served a really hefty sentence and uh, never had the possibility of parole. Yeah, seven consecutive life sentences. Yeah, unless he's like, you know, uh, what is it? The, the Tuck family? Then he could have lived. What? Tuck Everlast. Oh, like Tuck Everlast? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. Nice reference, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, so he, he was served with um, seven murders and one kidnapping of Mr. Onions. Um... And then all of his appeals to trial. I don't know how many appeals, but his last appeal was denied in 2006. Um, and then 2009, he went a little wily. I mean, wily. And he cut off his little bitty finger <laughs> with a plastic knife. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he just cut it off. Mm, yeah. And then... Psychopath. Yeah, he's just like, I just... Didn't need it anymore. Um, <laughs> so if you cut off your your pinky finger, then you te- technically can't give anyone the middle finger. No, because you don't have a middle finger anymore. So you just give them the peace sign. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Random thought. Um, oh, Morgan. <laughs> and then, ten years later, he died of a horrific death of esophageal and stomach cancer that had spread to every part of his body. So, mm-hmm. on October 27, 2019, Malat, the most evil man in recorded Australian history, died at the age of 74. His uh, requests for burial were denied, and they, quote, unceremoniously cremated, and then, uh, with my spice, that motherfucker. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they killed him. I mean, he died, but... Did you know that... What? uh, Right up... Random facts. Yeah, right up before he died, he... Gave a sealed envelope to his brother that wasn't supposed to be opened until after he passed. Ooh, his brother was like, I love surprises. Yeah, right. Um, you open the envelope, and it's basically him saying, don't you dare try to pay for my funeral. I want the state to pay for this. I deserve that little pine box. And, I, you know, they, because they've had me here this entire time, they need to be the ones that pay for it. I'm still innocent. And then Which, he drew, he signed it, and then he drew a little like stick figure and put the word innocent and a halo over it. <laughs> so, what's really funny is apparently in Australian um, law that the burial uh, or incineration actually comes from him, his like. Uh, what is it, like your stipend or whatever. You know, you get paid like 10 cents a day in America or whatever, slave labor. Um, He actually paid for his own 
Um, oh my God, I shouldn't have. Funeral. Had... Yes, sort of. Sorry, I drank too much. Cremation. Yeah. So he <laughs> paid for his cremation through all being incarcerated for that long. They didn't pay anything. That oh yeah, no, they. They responded to the letter being like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and no, since yeah. he's already dead, it's not like he could argue. Yeah, no, sorry, mate. <laughs> You're going to be burned into a crispy. <laughs> I kind of respect a little. I mean, if we're, like, uh, gauging the relative, I don't know, the, the fucking super killers or whatever. But, uh, but at least he, like, maintained his innocence or kind of kept it close to his chest. It was, like, extra pathetic with Chikatilo that... He's just like, oh, finally someone's talking to me. Here's all the stuff. It's like, oh, you sad bastard. Like, you just wanted someone to talk to you and you had to kill people for it. Like, come on. Oh, wow. They're paying attention to me. Yeah. You hear that, mother? They love me. <laughs> no, I think, I think like, like for him, I think it was like a game. It, I mean, uh, to most serial killers, it's like a game. Like, am I going to be caught? This is risky business, you know? But for him, it was like, no, I am not guilty. And they're like, here's all the evidence. Like, we have your DNA. We have Mr. Onions, who's crying on the stand about you, like, you know, kidnapping him in Australia and then trying to shoot him. And he's like, no, this is all a lie. This is all a lie. And, like, I, I don't remember the number, but it was over, like, 100 people were on the stand to testify f against him, which seems like a lot. I feel like <laughs> he had a lot of fucking enemies if uh, over 100 people come to the stand. Yeah, you got to assume, though, not all those people, like, had actual bad things happen. They're just like, he's a bit of a dick. Yeah. He, uh, he... Plays his music too loud. Way early. But I was impressed. Morning. I was impressed too, though, that the, the note he left. You know, I expected that would be. You know, you open the note after he died, and it's like, psych, I did it. You know, but no, nah, not even then. Yeah, no, he never admitted to it. Um, it was definitely, um, you know, it's never been substantiated. It's never been confirmed. But in July, on July 2005, uh, Malat's defense attorney, uh, his name was John Marston, he was dying and said he wanted to clear his conscience. Um, and he said that he, was, he wasn't just an attorney for Ivan, but he was for the entire Malat family over the years. So he knew all of their family history. He knew all their deep, dirty secrets. And he gave a statement that said that Malat not only confessed to him that he killed all of these people, but he also had a partner who was his sister, Shirley. Mm. Um, I don't know if Shirley's living or dead. I think she was the one that uh, died shortly before all these murders. Um, and then during Malat's trial, one of the chief justices, uh, David Hunt, he said he believed that Malat had not only worked alone, but he was working with his family members to kill these people. Um, and then he said probably almost all of the siblings were involved. 
but that was just like a side note on the trials. Um, there were multiple members of his family that were brought in, and I can't remember which brothers uh, were found to have actually a bunch of his, uh, you know, collections of these victim stuff. So like camping gear, guns, um, IDs and passports were all found um, in various members, like family members, but they all said, oh, he just asked us to keep some of the stuff. We never went through it and they were in boxes. Um, but Ivan um, also had, not Ivan, yeah, Ivan, sorry. Uh, Ivan also had stuff hidden in his ceiling, like trophies from all of his victims. So almost all of his family members were like included in the investigation, but none of it could ever be substantiated or confirmed that they knew that these were trophies from his murder victims. And it's not even confirmed of how many victims he has. It's speculation that he killed uh, more, but they're not confirmed. Because there's a, I mean, like the movie says, like, what is it, 30,000 Australian, or 30,000 people in Australia go missing every year and only 90% are found. So it's kind of hard to believe, like, he killed 10% <laughs> in one year. Um, so, yeah, like, a lot of his family members were brought forth in trial. Like, I mean, they were just, like, these crazy... I'm not going to say, like, Bush. all Bush people are crazy. I don't know what the culture is in Australia regarding, like, Bush people. But literally his entire family, which included fucking 14 kids like that's a lot of kids that's a lot um and they all had guns and they're all in the middle of nowhere they could have had their own tlc special (laughs) yeah they could have had their own like you know years of this because yeah i mean you never know like none of it's been confirmed and maybe i like speculation and conspiracy theories but john jarrett does a great job of just portraying this totally fucking freakoid bush mongering dude that's everything australia combined with the you know the australian man like in a shining bastion of toxic masculinity. <laughs> it's weird too that final shot of the movie where he's walking away and he kind of fades. At first, I was like, "Oh, it's a little corny that he faded," but then in the next moment, I'm like, "That's actually creepy as shit." <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's just out there somewhere, and yeah, it's like out there. I think it's safe to say I'm never gonna go to the outback. It's just like, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, like, crazy killer aside, again, everything out there is trying to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think I'll bring a gun with me or something if I go. Well, that's one thing I learned when I moved to New York, whenever that was, 10 years ago or whatever. I thought, like, oh, no, I'm moving to the big city. It's going to freak me out because I'm a little Canadian boy. But it really wasn't bad because there's always people around and you're always safe when there's people around. It's when you're alone that you're in big trouble, (laughs) you know? That's when the terrible things happen. (sighs) Oh, 
Um, yeah, fun fact. Um, more about Malat's family. Um, so not only did the defense lawyer uh, say that one or more of his siblings were involved in the murders, um, in 2012, um, his great nephew, who was Matthew Malat, who allegedly never met him, uh, he was already in jail before then, and they were not close, like, with the, the nephew. But his great-nephew, Matthew Malott, killed his friend in the Belongalo Forest, around the same exact area where all of his victims were found. Um, yeah, and Matthew then, kind of idolized Ivan. Yeah, and even in the court, he said, quote, that's what the Malots do. <laughs> uh, he was sentenced to 30 We're years in prison. Bunch. Yeah. We're a bunch of rotten eggs. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Like, it's one thing. Yeah, if it's just one person that goes nuts, that's one thing. But, yeah, it's like that whole family is just garbage. <laughs> like, yeah. And, I mean, his ex-wife said they were all gun crazy. And they, they never turned any of those guns in. They lived out in the middle of nowhere. They are all to themselves. And, I mean, they all were hunters. And you never know. Yeah. Uh, don't go backpacking around the Belongalo Forest. <laughs> Don't do it. It's just not a great idea. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I will go back, but this this Malat great-nephew uh, was also accused of smoking marijuana and drinking. So apparently, kids, that smoking weed and drinking uh, causes you to murder your friend on his birthday with an axe. Mm, I'm a FYI. Totally yeah. Over here. Um, <laughs> I will say that's a bullshit. I mean, obviously. <laughs> can't say this as a nurse. Well, we made it, and it's only what, two hours? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. So, um, that was our wrap up time. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do next week. Woo! Get your face closer to the mic. Next episode. What? Face closer to the mic. Oh, it's too close to the mic? No. Sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, so I am not sure when we're going to release the modern day escape episode. We have not recorded it yet. There have been um Scheduling delays and problems with James Vegas. Um, it's not his fault. They're just busy guys. Um, well, we will get it out at some point. But since I don't know when exactly, as of now, our next episode is just going to be me and Morgan. And it's going... And it's going to be... Um, Can I guess? Wolf Creek 2. No, I love <laughs> Morgan. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, I love Wolf Creek 2, and Wolf Creek 2 actually is um, closer to 
actual crimes that I have been Malat did. Like, there's a character that is absolutely Paul Onions in Wolf Creek 2. And um, the German couple is in Wolf Creek 2. So is it like Paul Onions turns, like, murder? No, 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 no. It's like, the, <laughs> you, you see the, like, German or the Swedish couple. Another German, I think. You see the German couple get murdered. And then there's oh. also some exposition of just, like, Mick Taylor being Mick Taylor without um, victims. Just kind of him in his normal life. Like, him getting pulled over by cops and then just being a badass. Like, a kind of likable villain. Ugh. And then, uh, I know. And then, um, like I said, you see him kill those people, and then, uh, you see him, like, pick up the Paul Onions, like, character, and then it's basically, like, it is, you know, he gets away, and, uh, that's how Meg Taylor, presumably, um, you don't, you don't quite see him get caught or anything, um, but he maybe puts authorities onto Nick's case, but, I mean, considering that there's a third one and the TV show, um, I'm not sure he's ever going to die. <laughs> In the movies, anyway. Never. Okay, but anyway, so... Eternal Mick Taylor, which is also, like, a member of the Rolling Stones, which was... That's true. That is the same name. Hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so, next episode, we're going to do the 1988 thriller Bloody Wednesday, which is based on the San Ysidro McDonald's Massacre. Morgan, do you know anything about this? Morgan. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about the San Ysidro McDonald's Massacre? The Sandy Seizures? <laughs> San, S-A-N, Ysidro, like I-S-I-D-R-O. You I'm gonna, I'm gonna, spell that phonetically. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> I just spelled it. It's Y-S-I-D-R-O. San Ysidro McDonald's Massacre. Basically, this sad, lonely, no, <laughs> pathetic piece of a man shot up at McDonald's. Oh, fuck. No, I have heard that. Yeah, I don't well, think I spelled it right because it wasn't phonetically... Well, this movie is about that. Yes. Okay. So I have um, heard of that. And I remember, I don't, okay, I don't remember what show it was, but it was, it was some. my favorite murder. No, it was before that. It was when I was like in middle school. Yeah. All right. Um, it was a first person's pers- perspective of being involved in that uh, massacre. And it was, like, an interview with all these people. I think it was a Dateline report. I was probably, like, 12 or something when I saw it. And I was like, holy shit, mass murders were a thing before school shootings? And, (laughs) yeah, because this was, like, 1984. And um, I'll try to find it. It was actually really great. It it, It included, like, the... Um, people like I'll try to find it and use that as my research because that would be a good resource. But yes, this is a, a thought I just had: Has COVID slowed down the mass shootings in America? Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 
Because there was definitely a period there where literally once a month there was a shooting in America to the point that like we barely covered it in Canada because we're like, eh, there's another one. Like it was getting out of control. But I was like, oh, yeah, maybe COVID fucking slowed that shit down a little. Uh, quite a bit because if anybody gets in a crowd, they're not exactly announcing it to people because it's highly frowned upon in this establishment. <laughs> and yeah. um, thus... If people are less schools in, meeting, well, yeah. yeah, like if people are meeting in crowds, um, no one knows about it till like pre planned to murder anyone. So, there's yeah. an upside to COVID that's good, <laughs> but I will say there is an increase, sadly, don't mean to bring you down, but there is an increase in uh, domestic violence, domestic cases, and uh, gang violence right now. I don't know if the gang violence right now is just in my area, but it's pretty bad. Like, there's been a lot of uh, shootings like every day, so a lot of stabbing shootings. Um, so I don't know if it's just my area of Richmond or the East coast. Um, I mean, I live in a small village that doesn't have a lot of crime, <laughs> but I know like right when COVID was happening, there was a lot, uh, more increase in need for, uh, domestic violence shelter. So absolutely, no, yeah, I, I, everyone's I, stuck together and they want to fucking beat the shit out of each other or beat the shit out of their partner or kids. Right. Like Sammy would be shooter uh, instead of going and shooting up the local uh, mini mall, decides to beat up on his wife, Sheila. Exactly. You mean Sheila. <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> that was the name. That's the name of my car. It's an Outback. It's a, oh, that's I love it. You yeah. drive an Outback? I mean, I drive an Outback. That was the last car that I had before. I call it my Lesbaru. <laughs> yeah, I had. Because I had, if I wasn't with the Andrew, I'd just be a straight lesbian, just putting it out there. <laughs> I'd be a straight lesbian. No, I'd be like a gay <laughs> lesbian, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm a straight lesbian. Right. That would be a good name for like a quirky coming of age movie, straight lesbian. Like yes. <laughs> yeah. Drive my Lesbaro. Her name's Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> She'd glad to have you in your back seat. Ah, oh, what? Oh, <laughs> we're gonna get messages about this. <laughs> yeah, from Australians that are like spot on, mate. <laughs> oh, or just people oh, yeah. that um, are just gonna be salty about this. <laughs> hey. Must be a test though of who who made it all the way to the end, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. If they're complaining about this, they listened all the way. That's true. Hey, I am a supporter of gay and lesbian relationships, even together. If you're gay and you you date a straight person, that's okay. You do you. You know, on this podcast. We don't shame. We don't shame against people in any form or fashion, unless you are a fucking serial killer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> Only murderers. <laughs> yeah, if you're murdering Only someone, murderers. then we reserve the right to make fun of you and trash you. Exactly. <laughs> and if maybe you... 
Maybe if your name is Johnny Onions or whatever the fuck his yeah, name is. You know, I'm pretty sure Paul there. Paul has been made fun of for his last name being Onions probably his whole life. I hope he changed his name. He didn't. I don't, I don't think he did. Because yeah, that article that I read had like a blurb from him and it still said Paul Onions. Oh. Uh... <laughs> In the movie, was he like, hey, my name's uh, Rutabaga Sasquatch? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, they just give him a pretty normal name. Hello, my name's Brian Sweet Potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Mark uh, Appleseed, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> uh. So, Keith, um, plug your projects and tell people why they should know who you are. Cool. Yeah, so I just do tons of different podcasts. And, uh, yeah, it's cool because I have this older podcast that I haven't done lately called XO, and that's the one Anna knows me from. And uh, I like it because lately I've been doing, like, a podcast about writing a novel, and most people drop me lines about that. Like, hey, I'm writing a novel, too. Blah, blah, blah. But when somebody mentions the XO podcast, I'm like, yeah, that's the person with good taste. Because that was the good podcast that I did. (laughs) That was the legit one. Yeah, I'm working on some I'm working on some new episodes of that and I'll get them out uh, hopefully soon. But yeah, if you just go to KeithCourage.com, all my stuff's there. You got all kinds of different weird stuff that I do. Excellent. It's well worth looking into, guys. Otherwise, I wouldn't have uh, invited him to come on the show. Yeah, and if you ever uh, just like, man, I think next week we need to do a three-hour episode. Just drop me a line. I'll swing by. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to have you back, Keith. Anytime. Definitely. Right, two um, weeks long. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wrap it up, guys, because it's about two and a half hours long, and I don't know how much is going to be edited out or not. Probably not that much, though, because that's how I edit. Fair <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.